everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in to Off the Bench. I'm glad you guys are here. Today is Friday, February 19th, and it's Meet My Friend Friday. Today, I've got some old friends on the show with me today. Brooke and Israel Wayne are here, and we're going to talk all things homeschooling. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks for tuning in today. Before we let you guys go for the weekend, I want to remind you that we're in the middle of our study in the book of Titus at MomStrong International. Walk this way, how to live a rapture-ready life. And uh, if you guys haven't joined us, it's a great opportunity for you to download that study guide, to get your kids writing God's word, and to really engage them in the truth of God's word. Because we've talked about this over and over here, truth is what's under attack in the culture. And we see this everywhere we go. We see it in education. Education. We see it in the church. We see it in government. We're seeing it in healthcare and the healthcare industry. And the Bible talks about deceit and deception. And uh, we want to guard against that. And how do we do that? We do that with discernment. And so you guys check it out, momstronginternational.com, uh, that study in the book of Titus, halfway through right now. And it's not too late for you to jump in. All right, you guys, I want to introduce you today to some friends of mine. I met Brooke and Israel Wayne out on the road a long time ago. I think we're dinosaurs now uh, on the homeschool circuit. Uh, they've been out on the road probably as long or maybe even longer than I have and have written uh, several really great books, including, and we might get a chance to to, uh, to touch on this today, but I'm not sure, a book called Pitching a Fit. Amazing. If you've got a strong-willed child, this is a book you're going to want to take a look at. But today I asked them to come on and talk about homeschooling in particular. These guys, these guys have been around the block. They're getting ready to have their 11th baby and their oldest is 20 years old. They know a thing or two about homeschooling and raising children. Uh, Israel and Brooke, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be with you, Heidi. Thank you so much for having us. So you guys, I mean, I am trying to figure this out. I I don't remember when did, how long have we been on the homeschool circuit? Like since, the, starting to feel like since maybe the dawn of time. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Brooke and I actually are homeschooled graduates. So we have- And so you uh, only twitch on Thursdays. That's right. <laughs> so we started homeschooling way back before homeschooling was a thing. Yeah. Uh, my, my family started homeschooling in 1978. Brooks family started homeschooling in 1983, and we were homeschooled pretty much all the way through. And then uh, we got married. We have 10 children. We're expecting our 11th child now, and we've homeschooled them from day one. Um, I actually started speaking at homeschooling conferences in 1995, so I've been doing it for about 25 plus years and uh, wrote my first book on homeschooling in 2000. So it's been a long journey for me, but I'm really excited that uh, the homeschooling movement has just had a huge explosion now with this yes. COVID situation. And so a lot more families now are looking into teaching their children at home that never would have before. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's the, I think the only silver lining of this politicized uh, virus that I like to call the Rona <laughs> Uh, and really, we're seeing that, right? I mean, homeschooling is up, you know, 30% in the homeschool community. I mean, we're looking at, you know, 0.3 or we got you know, 3% every year. And we thought that's amazing. Right. But to see it jump like this, uh, I mean, who would have, I mean, never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined that that would happen. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, some estimates are saying that we went from 2.5 million homeschoolers to 5 million students uh, just in one year's time. So uh, mm -hmm. it's hard to know exactly, you know, how many of those families are going to continue and how many, you know, are just trying to wait out the situation. But it is definitely, I think, a great opportunity for families to 
well, they, well, I was gonna say they get their feet wet, but actually they just got thrown in the pool. That's, that's, right. kind, of, <laughs> that's kind of what happened. They got thrown <laughs> in the deep end. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but but one of the things that we want to try to do, and I know you believe this too, we want to help people to learn how it actually can work. Because some people have tried it and they feel frustrated. They feel like, oh, this isn't really working for us. And we believe it can work, but you have to have the right tools. All right. So when you when you say you have the right, this is a great place to start because I know there's a lot of people listening to this who are relatively new to homeschooling and they're already, they've been at it for six months and they're like, yeah, no, uh-uh. I'm, I'm not cut out for this. I don't have the patience for it. When you talk to people who are considering homeschooling or they're brand new at it and you talk about tools, what do you mean? Well, for one thing, resource-wise, I just wrote a book recently that's called Answers for Homeschooling, the top 25 questions critics ask, because I think sometimes as parents, we're our own worst critic. Like we have our own fears, our own insecurities, our own doubts. Uh, There are a lot of things that we don't know about, like, well, am I qualified to teach my child? And where do I find the right curriculum? And what do I do for high school? And all those kinds of questions that parents have themselves. But then also sometimes people face the skepticism of well-meaning relatives and friends and neighbors and people who uh, question their ability to do it. And so um, after having been involved in homeschooling pretty much my whole life, I decided to put together a resource uh, called Answers for Homeschooling. This book, uh, I think, answers really all the big questions that people have. uh, And it's giving parents the confidence to be able to move forward with actual facts and research and uh, studies that have been done on all of these issues. Yeah, well, let's just jump into the deep end because you know me, I don't like to waste any time on that. When you talk to people who are uh, saying to you, well, you're sheltering your child. This is this is my number one pet peeve in homeschooling. People say, well, you're sheltering your child. Don't you, don't you think they should be salt and light in the public school? I love this topic. When people say, aren't you, aren't you worried about, you know, yes, I am. I, thank you so much. That Thank you. I'm absolutely worried about socialization. That's exactly why I pulled my daughter out of public school. That's usually where I start. And then how do you move on? from there when someone says what about sheltering your kid isn't aren't you going to hurt them how are they going to uh how are they going to be able to engage in the real world because you you know i mean you guys are doing it too just like me you're raising your kids this little tiny bubble they never leave your house right you're always there and they only know the two of you and their siblings right (laughs) well as you know and as we know uh some of our listeners may not a lot of homeschoolers are very engaged socially um one of the things about that that I, i sometimes say is you know, with the accusation that, well, you're sheltering your children. I mean, what are they going to accuse us of next? Feeding and clothing them? I mean, (laughs) well, it is one of the roles and responsibilities of a good parent, right? Is to shelter your child from things that you know are going to harm them. Now, obviously, uh, the way I think about it, we're not sheltering them forever. Our goal is to equip them to be able to stand in the real world. So I think of it a little bit like a greenhouse, you know, that we start these tender little plants when they're young, in a safe and nurturing environment uh, and we equip them and then eventually we transplant them out into the world. But you don't start those little seedlings out in the harsh environment uh, before they're ready. And so really homeschooling in some ways is like a, a greenhouse that gives them optimum opportunity for growth. Uh, And in terms of the whole issue of being salt and light in the public school, um, people have been saying that for 50 years, we need to send our children into the public schools and 85% of all evangelical Christians do it. But the public schools are not becoming more Christian with this approach. It's not like over 50 years we have this wonderful track record of the public schools becoming evangelized. We've sent all of our light into the public school. Now they're a beacon on a hill just shining for everyone to see. And that's what you would expect (laughs) if that thesis worked. Uh, But the scripture actually warns us against that. 
Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, the Apostle Paul says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Mm-hmm. And so there are people who believe that sending their child into the public schools is going to, uh, their good child is going to make all these bad children turn good. But the Apostle Paul says it doesn't work that way. It's kind of like, the, the thesis is like saying there's this barrel of bad apples out there. And you as a parent have this good apple and you need to take your good apple and throw your good apple into the barrel of bad apples and your good apple is going to make all those bad apples turn good. Well, it doesn't work that way. Uh, The scripture says that there is a a correlation between bad company and bad behavior. And so what we see is 70% of all church youth abandoning the church before their high school graduation. And that's Barna Research Group, Pew Research. Oh, yes. That's anybody with eyes in their head. Yeah. So (laughs) so basically what we're seeing is not the public schools becoming more and more Christians from the salt and light thesis. What we're seeing is a whole generation of young people who are being converted into humanism. Uh, as opposed to the other way around. So our goal is to raise our children with a distinctly Christian education, teach them what to believe uh, and how to defend their beliefs. And uh, we give them lots of opportunities to be exposed to other ideas. Yeah, one thing that, you know, I remember as a student growing up with uh, my mom being a homeschool mom and uh, teaching us, she'd guide us into situations to show us what the culture is like. We went and volunteered at all kinds of places, uh, did halfway house work as far as helping those who had just come out of prison, trying to get a job. So there was a lot of exposure within the family uh, unit, you know, that safety unit where we could ex- see what's going on in the real world and have instruction on it, basically. But then also, um, you know, not be thinking of that as like, wow, that's really a great thing. I want to go live in a halfway house. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, because because they exposed you to it and you saw it. And I think it really, it's a myth, right? It's a myth that that if you have your children at home, then somehow they're not going to understand that the world the world that's around them. All you got to do is turn on the news or take a little field trip to Walmart. I'm always telling people, <laughs> really, all you got to do is go to Walmart. You got the whole culture right there in a little fishbowl. You know, there's so many different things. We want our children to be able to uh, advance the gospel. And so the goal of a Christian parent should never be to shelter your kids with the idea that they'll never get out into the culture. The idea is to prepare them for the culture, prepare them for the front lines. I think one of the big mistakes that parents have made, particularly with education, is that we don't understand that it is the front line. Education is the front line. And so why would you put, you You would never send your kindergartner to the front lines. You would never send your third grader or even your 12th grader to the front lines. And yet we do it every day. We give them a sack lunch and we say, have a good day at the front lines, honey. Mommy will see you at three. And it's, I think it's a woeful misunderstanding of what's actually happening in the schools. Absolutely. And these young people are ill-equipped. In fact, you know, I had a friend of mine recently say, I'm sending my six-year-old into the schools as a missionary or an evangelist to be salt and light. That six-year-old is probably not even saved. You know, it's like, you know, not only not equipped, but so many times parents are sending children who themselves need to be evangelized, uh, need to understand the gospel sending them in under this false pretense of being evangelists. And and my thought is if these parents actually believed that uh, there was a need for evangelists in those environments, they'd be there themselves, Mm -hmm. not sending their their little children there. But, Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, you know, you look at, uh, what really makes someone effective in being an evangelist? Light is effective because it's different than darkness. And so you don't send your child to a mosque to be indoctrinated by an imam 
in order for them to evangelize the Muslims. Right. You, know, you don't send them into a cult to become a member of a cult in order to evangelize the cult. Uh, you don't have you don't send them into a a biker gang to evangelize the biker gang. You don't have to become like the culture to influence the culture. The best way to influence the culture is actually to be light yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we really want to focus on as parents is how can we teach our children to know the truth and to live the truth? I think that's the most most powerful evangelistic method and apologetic that we can have. Yeah, that's right. I'm I'm thinking of of the moms that are listening to this right now, Brooke, and they're like, "What? She's having her eleventh kid? Is she some sort of a saint? Like, did she like how is she doing that? I don't know how she's. I don't have enough patience for the two that I have. Or there's a lot of people thinking, you know, I could never do you know A, B, and C because I don't have patience. I I think in my experience, and I've been homeschooling for you know seven children for twenty five years. I my experience tells me that patience doesn't have a whole lot to do with it, but you've got a whole lot more kids than I do. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to know what, when, when people say, I don't have enough patience, I don't think I can do it. And you're not only are you homeschooling your children, but you're, uh, you're pregnant a lot, having babies. And we all know how that the physical toll that that takes. Sure. Can you talk to the mom who's just like, I just don't, I'm not cut out for it. I don't think I can do it. You know, I have said that myself. I am not cut out for this. And it's like, there's a hard day when it's like, okay, I was not cut out with the right kind of cloth for this large family. I grew up with one brother. So we had a tidy family of four and we had a dog, you know, it was a nice, tidy little thing. And frankly, because of, I have a bit of a laid back personality. um, You know, I thought I've got this. Uh, as a young mom, I can do this. And then it's yeah. like, I got a firstborn and I don't know what it is about firstborns, but they are like little lawyers. <laughs> and this little kid, you know, just ran over top of me and I'm like, whoa, what, what's all this about? And so it really wasn't until I became a mother and, you know, just the stresses of having little ones and pregnancy, like you mentioned, and uh, just having a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. I started realizing I was becoming a very angry person. Mm. And so it wasn't something that I actually knew about myself until it was revealed to my children. Of course, at that time, I wanted to say, it's these kids' fault. <laughs> you know? I'm mom, do you want to know how completely wicked you are? Homeschool your kids. You'll know. Really so true. <laughs> yeah, it, it reveals what's inside. And it, and it was shocking to me because here I thought, oh, you know, I, I love children and I'm going to really rock at this thing. Well, I didn't. It was it was difficult. It was painful at times, but I'm really happy about it because it did reveal to me how much I needed the Lord. And that's where, the, you know, where the truth of going, OK, it's not just about like keeping myself under check and biting my tongue or um, waking up and, and saying a little chant to myself. This is about really God doing something inside of me. And so over time, uh, I really started collecting some thoughts and putting them into words. And Israel and I actually wrote a book called Bitchin' a Fit because we wanted parents to have um, a book that would be about overcoming angry and stressed out parenting. And as you can imagine, we've had some stressed out moments in our life. We travel, <laughs> you know, we travel as a family a lot. And it's, I mean, it's crazy when you pile like 12 people in a van and say, yep. let's go 3,000 miles. You, you you reach all kinds of uh, moods and uh, <laughs> angry <laughs> times and the worst of times. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, for those parents who would say, I'm not cut out for this, I get that. And yet I would encourage parents, uh, God's got something in this for us too. It's not just about our children growing. It's not just about them succeeding in life and us like giving them this platform. God wants to do something inside of us. 
And that's encouraged me just day by day, uh, lay down my life in, in the sense of for my family, but also realizing God wants to teach me and grow me in this process and wants me to have something from him that I give out to my family, not just like, oh, when I feel comfortable or when I'm well rested, then I'll do this for my children. And so um, mm-hmm. as a day by day process, you know, I, I nobody gets there overnight, <laughs> but right. that process is really good. It's good for us and it's good for our children. Well, and I think something that you said sort of sticks out to me, and that is it's worth it, you know, for all of the, you know, for all the bad days that I have had and the days when I just thought, I cannot do this for one. You know what? School yourselves. I actually don't care if you learn math. I don't care. It's not going to hurt me any if you can't balance your checkbook. What do I care? You know, and there have been many moments when I I just thought or just selfishly, I just want to do my thing. You guys just give me. I just want to do something for me. And and, and it really is a laying down of, of your life. I think it's also really wise. I love that you reminded the, the monsters especially. It doesn't mean that you don't have a life. God is doing something in us through the process of raising children and through the process of homeschooling. And when I look back over even the hard days, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I yeah. wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, our children are walking with the Lord, which is the, which was the goal. That's why we were doing it in the first place. We want our children to walk with the Lord and to have uh, healthy lives as athletes adults to raise their own children to walk with the Lord. Yes. And that's when you start to see, because you, you know, you spend what, almost all of the first 20 years of your married life in a season of uh, really sowing. And then all of a sudden you start reaping what you've been sowing. And either you reap something that's good or you reap something that's bad. And homeschooling, I think if you can hang in there, uh, the reward is worth it. It sure is. Yeah. Everything, everything that's worth it is hard. Yeah. And that's where I feel like so much of our culture misses out on that because they're thinking, well, I, it needs to feel satisfying to me in the moment. And there's days when homeschooling just does not, you mm-hmm. know, you, you're mm-hmm. like, I am ready to burn the books and Hello. I am ready to you know, yeah. just have my, a babysitter come in. And I just want to, you know, yeah. I want to go out for coffee. I want to do all Although these. Rona has ruined that though. Now we can't go out for coffee. We can't <laughs> yeah. do anything. You can't get away from it. <laughs> There's nowhere to go. There's but, nowhere to go. <laughs> but it is so worth it. And, you know, everybody wants to invest their life in something useful. They want to pass on to some, somebody or something something bigger than themselves, because we do have a sense of our temporariness. And so, you know, homeschooling, while it has its rough days, and there are days all of us would like to quit, it, um, we need to keep that picture that we're passing on something eternal here. Yeah, I love that. Israel, in the uh, five minutes or so that we have left, I'm I'm hoping to just touch on the role of dad in homeschool. Lots of dads write into this show and they say, you know, my wife's talking about homeschooling and I, I don't have time. I'm working, you know, I can't, I don't know how I could be a help to her. How can you encourage uh, these fathers and husbands to come alongside their wives and encourage them in uh, in homeschooling? Yeah, it's a great question. I know for a lot of moms, they feel very overwhelmed because they feel like they're doing it all themselves and they Mm -hmm. don't have help. They don't have support. They don't have encouragement. I believe our culture has taught men that their only role as a dad is just to be a breadwinner. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I believe the church actually reinforces that. Um, Even if not uh, specifically and intentionally, I think that that's kind of the message that dads get. You know, you need to be a good provider and protector for your family. But in the scripture, what you find is dozens and dozens of passages that tell fathers specifically to instruct their children. 
and you find lots of passages telling fathers that they're to be responsible for discipline within the home. And so this idea that I go to work and I bring home a paycheck and that's my entire role doesn't square up with scripture. And I've written several books that deal with that. You know, one of them is called Education, Does God Have an Opinion? And it really deals with what the Bible says about the topic of instruction uh, by parents. And I deal in that book with what the Bible says specifically to dads. What does the Bible tell dads to do? Um, And there's also a a new book that's just come out uh, very recently called Raising Them Up, Parenting for Christians. Uh, And again, what, what does the Bible say to fathers about their role? And so, you know, just a couple of practical things. The first thing I would say is be very careful about the words that come out of your mouth to your wife because she's your helpmeet. Like she's not responsible for raising your children. Um, ultimately, you are the husband, you're the father. You have a God-given responsibility to raise your children with your wife's support and assistance. Uh, but, but many men look at it as my, it's my wife's job to raise these children and it's my job to make money. But, but really, in reality, your wife is helping you to do your job of raising your children, if that makes sense. So for, from the guy's perspective, um, you need to equip her to be able to be effective in what she does. So in order to do that, you have to listen. You have to know what her needs are. Um, and from a practical standpoint, if she needs better tools, you need to buy them. Like you yep. need to spend money to help your wife to be efficient in the home and to be efficient in the education and teaching of your children. So I sometimes use the analogy of like a a general contractor in a house. If you're trying to get a house built and your workers are coming to you saying, we don't have adequate tools to get this job done, a good general contractor is going to say, you know what, we're going to get the tools, we're going to remove the roadblocks, we're going to make this streamlined and efficient. You tell me what you need and I get it for you and we get it done. Sounds like a Republican. And and that really is the role that I think a dad should be taking as opposed to, no, yeah. we don't have money for better curriculum. Uh, we don't have money for better appliances or, or conveniences around the house to make, to free you up to spend time with the children uh, because I need that new boat or I need that new gun or, you know, men find money to spend on things that they want. They just mm-hmm. do. They find money to spend on the things that are important to them. And, yeah. and I'm going to say, what should be more important to you than your children? So mm-hmm. you need to listen to your wife, find out what her needs are, find out where you're bottlenecked as a family, uh, get to know your children, find out their needs, know them by heart, know their personalities, their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, and then, you know, this is one of those age old, it's, it's almost like a cliche, but uh, leading your family in family devotions, I think is one of the most important things I've done as a dad. Uh, and it doesn't have to be like an hour long process every day. It can be five to 10 minutes a day of just taking time to read some scripture, pray with your family, sing a song together, uh, whatever it is. It doesn't have to look like anybody else's family, but leading your family in the scriptures on a daily basis, I think is one of the most important things that you can do. Go with your wife to the homeschool convention, spend the money on tools and resources to disciple your children. You'll just never, ever regret any investment that you put in the eternal soul of your child. Uh, almost everyone who buys a boat regrets it. Yep. But I've never heard anyone say, oh, I just wish I would have spent less time and less money on helping my children to really come to know Christ. I don't think anybody ever regrets the investment that they put in helping their child to become successful in life. 
Yeah, it's right. And and I think we, you know, the church, I, I agree with you. I think the church is largely responsible because we've been pushing the narrative on the other side, you know, pushing it for too long. And now we see weak families, weak marriages, you know, and we're producing a generation of children. And we have been now for quite a while who don't know God's word and can't defend it. And that that starts in the home and it starts with that, you know, that marriage it being the primary relationship in the home. And I know you guys have been married for how long now? 22 years. 22. We just had our anniversary. Oh, congratulations. And it's hard, right? I always tell people, listen, you know, the best things in life are the hard things. You've been married more than five minutes than you know. You know, it's work. It's effort. Well, our marriage is hard for Brooke. It's it's pretty easy for me. But <laughs> <laughs> My, what I always say is just marry a perfect spouse and it goes well. Unfortunately, Brooke didn't get that. So... <laughs> <laughs> See, this is great. You guys look at look at him just rack, racking up the points right there. Everyone knows that marriage <laughs> is a point system, and Israel is getting really good at the game. You know, twenty two years later, you're like, this is a place I can make some points right now. <laughs> so I, I love that. You guys, if people want to find you online, you guys have written a whole bunch of books on uh, homeschooling and parenting. And if they want to find you online, it's to it's family renewal. Is, is that right? Yeah, familyrenewal.org. We're also available on any social media platform. You can just type in family renewal or look up my name is Real Wayne. Uh, my wife actually uh, does more parenting than social media, so <laughs> she doesn't hang out on social media all day. But uh, you can find Family Renewal or Israel Wayne on social media. And then familyrenewal.org is our website. Our books are available on there. If you buy from our website, we'll personally sign it for you. So that's an advantage that you have for, uh, getting it from our site as opposed to just Amazon or somewhere else. Well, and come on now, Amazon doesn't need the money. Let's just they be on. They're actually doing okay for last <laughs> I checked. They're, they're doing okay. They're going to make we, it. <laughs> I know, right? We think they're going to do just fine. Uh, Bezos <laughs> doing real good in the Rona. He likes it. All right. So <laughs> people want to find out more, they can go to familyrenewal.org and uh, I will link back to all those things in the show notes to you guys. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I know a lot of people are going to be blessed and encouraged. No, thanks, Heidi. Thank you, Heidi. Appreciate you. For more information on the ministry of Israel Wayne and his wife, Brooke, you guys can check it out at familyrenewal.org, and I will link back to it in the show notes today. Thanks for listening today, everybody. Have a great weekend. Love your family well this weekend. And I'll see you back here on Monday at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.